I do think that we have the right as believers and as the Lord's church in the United States of America to make a comparison between our country and the northern kingdom of Israel because there are so many similarities. And so I want us to think about that here as we make the comparison of the northern kingdom to our own country. Uh, I have, let me find it. I forgot, I should have already had it pulled up. Um, it'll take me just a second, but I have some various sources that I have copied out of other, other sources and want to read some of it to you um, if I can f get my get my paper called up here. Uh, huh? Careful now. Okay, here we go. Uh, nope, not that. Tell you what, let me just go on. Uh, I wanted to read some papers from early um, early colonial or pre-colonial America, and I wanted to read certain sections directly to you. And I still may if I ah, that's not it. You know, just take my word for it. We started out as a godly nation. <laughs> for example, a mayor, a governor, Bradford, early governor of Massachusetts, who was also of the colony, um, I mean, of Mayflower, Jamestown, Jamestown. In one of the letters he wrote, wrote how they were so excited. Now, this was the Jamestown people. They were so excited in bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the native tribes of the land. That's an example. Sheesh, I don't even think I can read that. Some quotes from founding fathers. Anyway, there were several papers, and I should have had that called up already. That's my bad. I'm, I'm sure you're brokenhearted that I don't have all that to read, but it's uh, several papers from different people early in the history of colonial America in the 1600s and so forth, pre-Revolutionary War. One after the other. They came here, you know why they came? They came here to worship freely. They came here on the basis of worship, worshiping Jesus Christ without the imposition of a state church. That's why they came. And in their personal letters to one another, many of which are still preserved, uh, I think I have one in its uh, original state, a copy of it here in a minute, but uh, one after the other, all you heard was glory to God and the, the strong intent to worship and to propagate the Christian faith to all the people who were over here. Kind of reminds me of the joke, you know. This shoe company sent a salesman to a, a sort of a backward nation in Africa. 
And he sent back a wire and he said, this is just awful. Nobody here wears shoes. So they recalled him and sent another guy and he said, send me everything you got. Nobody here has any shoes and everybody needs a pair of shoes. It's kind of like what you, that's how you look at it. They looked at, they looked at coming over here not only as the opportunity to worship as they, see, as they saw fit freely, but also to propagate the Christian faith and, uh, and to carry out their, the Great Commission in their lives. And these are reflected in those early letters. And of course, you know uh, how our Creator has endowed us with these gifts. That, that's written in our Constitution and so forth. Here, George Washington. These are quotes from early church fathers. And I, I didn't take anybody's word for it. I, I verified that this is indeed historical data. Quote, it is impossible to rightly govern a nation without God in the Bible. George Washington, when he gave a 4th of July address. Again from George Washington. You do well to wish to learn above all the religion of Jesus Christ in our schools. <laughs> and this one is, who is that dude? Alex, is that him? Alexander Hamilton, the first United States Secretary of the Treasury, at his death, July 12, 1804. I have a tender reliance on the mercy of the Almighty through the merits of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a sinner. I look to him for mercy and pray for me. Patrick Henry, I have now disposed all, of all my property to my family. This is one thing more I wish I could give them, and that is the Christian religion. If they had had that, and I had not given them one shilling, they would have been rich. And if they had not had that, and I had given them all the world, they would be poor. Patrick Henry. John Hancock, April 15, 1775. In circumstances dark as these, it becomes us as men and Christians to reflect that whilst every prudent measure should be taken toward, uh, to ward off the impending judgments, all confidence must be withheld from the means we use and reposed only on the God who rules in the armies of heaven and without whose blessing and best human counsels are but foolishness and all created power vanity. So that with these other, and they're easy. You can, you can research these things online, what our early, church, our early founding fathers said and early colonials leaders such as Governor uh, Bradford. This was the, uh, this was a likeness, I forget how old the painting is. This was, the, this was the Mayflower people, the Jamestown, the Mayflower people. Upon their arrival, the first thing they did was have a worship service. And sometime later there was a portrait uh, to try to portray the likeness of, what, of how they worshiped God uh, when, they, when they came over. Now, this was what I was talking about. Mayor, was it in John Bradford or something? Off, off Plymouth Plantation. And he talks in here, and I, knew, I know you can't see that, but he talks about uh, the prevailing truth of the church of God, um, the kingdom of the Lord, uh, the Christians who were here to bring the gospel, even though the land is ruled by bloody, barbarous persons. Um, then the, the Lord blessed the known parts of the world. 
uh, and the uh, the danger of errors and heresies um, and so forth. Uh, this is just a letter that he wrote. It's not something that, but it was preserved uh, in the antiquities of our of our country to sh to show you the worldview of people who early in our history served as leaders. As a matter of fact, in one of those sources, it had in there how the first thing was to build the church in the village and then all of the activities were in the church and that no person could hold public office unless that person was a professing Christian in good standing in the church. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, Later people, this is again Patrick Henry, this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Boy, that's pretty good, isn't it? James Madison. A lot of stuff said about James Madison and his theology, but here's what he said one time. He said, cursed be all that learning that is contrary to the cross of Christ. So, you know, if in other words, if you're if your curriculum in school isn't centered around the cross of Christ, he says it ought to be cursed. Well, it is. <laughs> From uh, an 1863 Thanksgiving proclamation by Abraham Lincoln. We have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. Boy, that's pretty good too, isn't it? Sounds like he ought to be saying that today. Um, one of the things was adultery. I, didn't, I could be here all day with charts and stuff. Uh, but this this is a thing that talks about the percentage of people who cheat. Uh, interestingly enough, okay, so here's the women cheaters and here's the men cheaters. Look at there. The height of cheating is in the ages of 60 to 69. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how old this thing is. <laughs> the study was made from 2010 to 2016. Well, I think Viagra was made in there well, somewhere along the way. <laughs> Can I say that? I don't <laughs> But this was, this was amazing to me, all right? Now, you see how it drops off when you're over 80. Because you're dead. <laughs> uh, but I, I just, the sad thing is in every age all the way up, there's adultery. Uh, the demographics of those who cheat on their spouse, the percentage of people who reported having sex with someone other than the spouse while married. Huh. I'm not going to go over that. Huh? You can see it for yourself. I'd, I would have too many off the cuff comments and I'm already in trouble. 
swearing. Textual analysis of more than one million books by scholars shows startling proliferation of swear words since the mid-1950s. You know, pregnant was a bad word when I was a kid. Divorce was a bad word. They'd whisper it, she's divorced. And I remember my aunt, and I had to ask my mother what that meant. She wouldn't tell me. <laughs> Overall, they found that writers were significantly more likely to use each of the seven swear words. Now, I didn't write them down. They're bad, bad words. Okay, I, I don't even want to. I don't even want to abbreviate them, but you can imagine the seven worst swear words in the years since 1950. With books published in 2005 to 2008, 28 times more likely to include swear words than books published in the early 50s. Now that was 12 years ago. I would hasten to say that it's probably much worse than that now. Swear words everywhere, swear words. That's a bad reflection on the culture. It's an undisciplined, uh, uh, ungodly culture. According to a study in 2002, 60% of adults can't have a 10-minute conversation without lying at least once. <laughs> but even that number makes it sound better than it really is. Those people in the study who did lie actually told an average of three lies during their brief chat. You have a brief talk with somebody, that person's likely to tell you three lies before the talk is over. I guess you just keep your mouth shut. I think this may be the last. Let's see. Yeah, that's the last one. There are a lot of things on this, but there are only 24% of Americans who believe that the Bible is the literal Word of God. Now that is about, let me think, I think that dates from 2011 or 2012. So, you know, it, how much worse is it with a younger generation? They never get taught the Bible. Uh, I'm sure it's, it's, it's worse than that now. This year, here, I'm thinking, you know, man, I should have. It was either uh, 2011 or 2012. It was in a Gallup poll. There were several things in that Gallup poll, and I, I could be here the rest of the day, but my, I know that my time is about over here. Um, to sum up all of this and then to close it out, I believe that Christians are obligated to have a, if, if we are Christians, obligated to have a, a, a worldview. Take note of what we read from the prophet Hosea. Their trouble started with a lack of knowledge. Well, then you need to learn what the Bible says. And you need to be disciplined. And you need to be a part of people who are disciplined so that they're expected to do all that lies within them to be obedient to the, to the dictates of Scripture. Therefore, with a biblical worldview, most of it is black and white. Now, there may be some gray areas. 
But most of it is black and white for us when it comes to the modern culture and what sin is and what opposes the Word of God. That, that, that's not difficult at all. So if these things are creeping up on us and they're beginning to overwhelm us as they did and we saw in Hosea chapter 4 in the northern kingdom, then maybe we just need to spread the word a little more, teach a little more, do what we need to do and spend more of our time and budget as a, as a local body of Christ uh, to give people the opportunity to study the word of God. All of these other things that are important to Christians will become happily fruits of that tree if the root of the tree is right. Um, and so, you know, we have to ask ourselves the question, are we, are we growing as Christians? Do we understand? Here's something in, here's something in the newspaper that kind of sends up a red, red flag, but I don't know really how I feel about this. We need to study the Bible. Study it and pray about it until you get the answer to it. Uh, the Holy Spirit of God, if you're a Christian, lives in you. And he's there for a reason. So in closing, I think personally that there's a, an unfortunate comparison that's to be made between the, the state of the United States of America today and the state of the northern kingdom of Israel, at least in the closing days of Jeroboam II's reign, if not in the early days immediately following his reign, where there so were, were so many political conspiracies and so forth that it caused the degradation of the rest of the society uh, and the rest of the culture, even, even to a, more, a faster pace. All right, having said all that, thank you for being here. Uh, God bless you. This was... This was Wonderful. We thank you for being here. We this started out sort of as a casual idea, uh, going to have it down in the church parlor, which is where I have a Sunday night class that meets there. And I just happened to mention it on Facebook, and we had people interested in this thing, for which I'm very, very thankful and humbled. And and uh, so we thought we might ought to come up here. And whoever made that suggestion, it was a good idea. I forgot who it was. <laughs> But you did a good thing, whoever that was. We're going to be closed in prayer now. And shallow people, I hope that you'll take note of those who are our guests here and, and thank them personally for being here, okay? And there's probably more food to be had uh, on the way out. Let's pray. Holy Father God, we come humbled before you, thinking of the great spiritual needs that exist in our own country. Lord, it's a great call, and we feel the burden of the call, but also we feel the power of the Holy Spirit who can do anything. Thank, thank you for your word that we may be corrected, that we may be guided in the way that we should go. And help us, Lord, as your people, to be loyal. And to have our own covenant loyalty. To know that we're saved by your grace, that you came to us and that we, in our humility before you, are 
seeking to worship you, to tell others about you, and to teach those who would listen to us more about who you are, more about your word. Thank you for all who have come here today. Lord, bless us in the way that we should go now. In Jesus' name, amen.